WJR Traffic and Weather First. It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight with Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, hey, Dan, Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Welcome in. We are right in the middle of it. It's Selection Sunday. We're going to keep you up to date on what's going on. Obviously, the big question is, is the Michigan Wolverines, are they in? Are they going dancing? That is the question. Um, a, a couple of leading bracketologists, Joe Lenardi over at ESPN, Jerry Palm over at CBS, they both have Michigan in as a as one of the last four in. We'll keep an eye on it. We know one of the, uh, the those 12-line uh, playing games, that's going to be Rutgers and Notre Dame. It's in the West. So you've got Rutgers-Notre Dame, winner takes on Alabama. Now, Michigan State also seeded in the West. Uh, they will take on Davidson, uh, MSU, the seven seed in the West. That'll be in Greenville, North uh, South Carolina. And this is an interesting matchup for the Spartans. First of all, I think um, it's a nice line for Michigan State. The bad news is once again, the the actual construction of this thing does not favor Michigan State. I'll tell you why in a moment. But this this Davidson MSU matchup is interesting to me for really one reason. You remember Foster Lawyer? Yeah, Foster Lawyer. Uh, he is a Clarkston native, committed to Michigan State. Tom Izzo played for the Spartans and decided to transfer. He transferred to Davidson. Foster Lawyer, as we stand now, leads the, the Wildcats in points at almost 17 per game, leads in assists. And so, so Foster Lawyer, again, kid can shoot. He can handle the ball. Problem is there was always kind of more talented guys at Michigan State pushing him. So I think that he kind of ended up, there was nowhere for him to go. So Foster Lawyer leaves has Davidson, kind of the leader of that Wildcats team now. So you've got an interesting, intriguing kind of subplot in that Michigan State-Davidson matchup. 
Now, here is where they didn't do them any favors. So you're essentially, you know, let's pencil it in that Michigan State beats Davidson. Who do you got next, Jason? Oh, you, you got Duke. Okay. So with you, it, with, right off the bat, you gotta you gotta try to to exercise that demon and beat Duke. Coach K's last year. Last um, is versus Coach K matchup. Oh, can oh can you believe can you wait for that? <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be intense. Um, but I think that when you look at this again, it, there, there's no favors here. That that's a tough kind of draw right off the bat where you've got a, a, a Davidson team. That's, you know, like they're pretty good. Like they're, they are a team that will shoot the ball. They'll defend the post, but they rebound. They share the ball. Like they're a good, they're a good basketball team. So that's going to be a, a bit of an issue uh, for the Spartans. And then, and then you got Duke after that. So your last Duke is a matchup potentially uh, in the round of 32. In the meanwhile, uh, in the meantime, we're still waiting on where Michigan lands because both Lenardi and Palm have Michigan making it in the play-in game. And so that is an interest. And, and I'll tell you, they both have them uh, playing Texas A&M. It would be in the Midwest region. It would be Chicago. Um, so they both have Michigan playing Texas A&M. Um, in this particular instance, in the Lenardi bracket, as we as we wait for this thing kind of to unfold, we'll we'll break it down for you as we go. They got the South um, region is is underway now. All right, South region's underway, uh, and uh, again. In Lenardi's bracket, you've got Michigan, Texas A&M. Winner would take on Providence as the five seed. And then you've got Houston Richmond, uh, winner of 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 the, the, the Michigan or Texas A&M versus Providence game would take on Houston or Richmond. Um, Arizona, the number one seed in the South. So, I, you know, again... This is this is one of these things where you look at that last that last loss that Michigan had against Indiana, not necessarily that they lost, the way in which they lost, blowing a 17-point halftime lead. Um that is that's a real problem for the the bracket makers. Now here's what Palm says about Michigan. Uh, his new last four in are Indiana, San Francisco, Notre Dame, and Michigan. He says, yes, Michigan, while I do not believe metrics make decisions for the committee, it may be hard to ignore the combination of strength of schedule and the results and metrics in spite of Michigan's record. Each of the metrics on the team sheet would choose the Wolverines as an at-large team if they did make that decision. So again, they're touting Michigan's strength of schedule. And despite the results, the metrics favor Michigan getting in as a play-in. Now, again, I kind of thought that the, that the Michigan Wolverines would make it, but that doesn't, at this point, I mean, they are about on, as on the bubble as you can get. 
Now, the committee has put Houston and UAB in the south region, so that'll uh, mess with Lenardi uh, uh, prognostication um, a little bit. Meanwhile, Illinois will be slated in the south region as well. I, I think, Jason, when we look at this and where Michigan is going to land, uh, if they do land, um, they're going to be a playing game. This is going to be a situation where where they are one of the last four in, and they're going to have to play for their opportunity to be there. Why does something tell me, and I've been saying this for a week or two, I don't think they're going to be in. You don't think they're going to be in? I don't. I think I think they, they have no strong non-conference wins. They have a win over Purdue. They have a win over Ohio State. But like you said earlier, the, the Indiana game, the last game, that is just a, it's a huge blow to them possibly not getting in. And as much as I want them to be in, um, never mind, they're in. <laughs> they're playing. They're in. They're in. They're the 11 seed. They'll be playing Colorado State on Thursday. Wow. So, um, I did that just, that was a reverse effect. That's why I did Look that. Look at you. So, okay. So now Michigan makes it in, in the, at the 11 seed. Um, so they've avoided the, the last four playing game altogether. They're in. They're just in. There is no uh, play, win, and you're in situation. They're in, and they're going to take on a Colorado State team that 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 streamlined 25 wins together this season. We'll break down that matchup a little bit later on. I'll tell you what. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Michigan in, Michigan State in. We'll tell you where they fall next here as we continue on Sports Wrap. Also next, I want to talk about baseball. We're gonna let the the bracket uh, metastasize here a little bit. We're gonna let it let it come together, and then we'll break this down. Michigan, Michigan State, in. We'll tell you where they're at next, uh, and we're gonna talk about this new CBA in, in 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 Major League Baseball because thankfully, thankfully, we're gonna have a full 162 game slate. It's very exciting. So lots more to go as we continue on Sports Wrap next right here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. Here's the, the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, we told you Michigan State in at the seventh seed in the West bracket. They'll take on Davidson, which is an interesting matchup. Uh this Davidson team, pretty good this year, um, and and again, uh, an interesting kind of a matchup with Foster Lawyer, the former Michigan State point guard, Clarkston native, transferred to Davidson. Uh, he's now Davidson's leading scorer. Uh, he'll take on his former team in round one. Really interesting matchup there. I, I, I like this matchup for Michigan State. Actually, I think this is a a, a nice. Uh, way for them to get into this tournament uh make some things happen and then get to duke and then you then you plan for duke that, that that's always a tough matchup um and again you're you've got a duke team back against the wall uh this is win one for the gipper type of situation coach k's leaving so you get to the round of 32 and then you really start game planning here but I like this first round round matchup for Michigan State in, in the in the round of sixty four. 
for Michigan, um, again, a lot of the question was whether or not they were going to make it in the first place. And if they were going to make it, they were probably going to be in, in a play-in game situation. They were going to be the 12 seed, and, and it was just kind of a matter of where they would fall. And how much did that Indiana game hurt the Wolverines? Well, turns out that it, it probably hurt them, Jason, but I don't know that it hurt them overall in terms of their chances on getting into the tournament. I was a little worried. I, I thought that this was going to be a situation where you're talking about a plan, but that's not how the committee saw it. You've got Michigan and Colorado state. Um, this is the, this is the matchup that is going to be really interesting for Michigan. Now you've got, uh, uh, a, a, a really solid team at Colorado state. Um, Jason, what were your initial, what are your initial thoughts here uh, about Michigan making it in? Well, <laughs> I didn't think they were going to make it in. So I do have no idea what I'm talking about, but to avoid the playing game and to be in, in there in Indy. So they really didn't even need to pack their bags. Of course, they didn't know that at the time, but Oh, it's it's. I think it's a win-win. I think they took the the last five games of the season where I believe they won three out of the five. They beat Michigan State. They beat Ohio State on the road. That really helped. So it, it worked out really good for them. Um, I want to give you a little bit of insight. Um, into uh Colorado State. Now, um. Colorado State, uh, uh, David Roddy was the Mountain West player of the year. Uh, average about 22 points a game, nine boards, four assists, three steals. Uh, this is going to be a guy that's going to be, you're, you're going to have to contend with. You're going to have to, you, this is the guy you game plan for. Um, and really, six foot, six foot six, athletic. Uh, does a lot for the Rams, um, and so it's gonna. I, look, I, I, I think that when you look at at where the Rams are, everything runs through Roddy. Um, one of the most efficient scores in in league history in the Mountain West. He's got a field goal percentage of of fifty seven and a half percent. Um, he spreads the ball around, sixth in. Uh, in rebounds per game this year in the Mountain West at, at nearly eight. And he scored anywhere between 20 and about 22 points a game this year. I mean, this is a guy that that carries the load. So, uh, you know, again, that's going to be an issue for Michigan. Now, uh, uh, Jason, who else is in that first 32 uh, the, the, after that game? Uh who would they face if Michigan wins that game? Looks like they'd face Tennessee. I can't remember the opponent. It's the three fourteen. So Tennessee's okay. the three. Okay. Tennessee's good this year too. <laughs> so you, you're looking at a very similar situation in Michigan State, where uh, you'd have to go up against kind of a buzzsaw. Not that, uh, and, and I, I look at Tennessee more of a buzzsaw than I do Duke. So just again. In all in perspective, really, if you're a Michigan fan, you should be pretty happy. Should be pretty happy because 
that's a spot where I, I think that leading up to this selection tonight, probably pretty nervous. Now you can take breathe a sigh of relief. Michigan in at 11, they'll take on Colorado State. Um, in the meantime, as this bracket kind of uh, materializes here, um, we're going to talk about it more in a couple of minutes. Um, I, I, I was really pretty um, upset with Major League Baseball. We've talked about it uh, even last weekend. Oh, and over the last couple of weeks, really. As we've, as we've tried to wrap our minds around why Major League Baseball want, wanted, look, and, and when you have a new collective bargaining ad- agreement and it's up and now you have to go to negotiations, it's tough. Everybody wants a piece of the pie. And I just feel like at this point in, in history, which may be a little heavy handed. But you're, you're, you're talking about coming off an unprecedented pandemic. You're talking about coming off a last couple of years that have been completely and utterly abnormal. And you were one of the first sports to come out of the pandemic uh, to, to some sense of normalcy. You were able to start getting people back into the stands. You were start, you, you're starting to open this thing back up because of you're an outside sport. You're able to 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 you know spread people out distance them whatever so it just felt like they had the ability to ride some momentum into this season and it just so happened that the CBA was up this year but it felt like okay Rob Manfred the owners the players association they could get this thing done in a timely manner we don't have to see any disruptions you know, this isn't the early nineties anymore. We, 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 we don't, we don't think that this is going to get out of hand. Well, it got out of hand, at least publicly, it got out of hand. I, I, and I have yet to really see or hear a report that, that said like, uh, you, you know, both sides were, uh, really understanding of the situation that they were in and they were okay with it because they knew it was going to come out. Okay. I don't think that was the case at all. I think the owners in their mind in the league had a, had a, had a point which was probably about mid-season. You're talking about 81-ish games where you're thinking, okay, well, if we get to that point where now we're not making money, we can make money the first half of the season and not play baseball. After that, now we're going to start losing money. So that was really the, the real cutoff point, I think, in the owners' minds. But they got it done. They got it done. And I think there was concessions made on both sides. We'll talk about what those look like in a couple of minutes with Trevor Huth over bless you boys. But I think from a, from a luxury tax standpoint, uh, it's a, it's a big win for the players, Uh, an increase in minimum salary increased win for the players. Uh, Depending on how you look at it, going from 10 to 12 teams in the playoffs, it could be a win for both sides, but probably a win more for the owners. And you've got a situation where the way that now the draft works is it will be different. It's not just, well, if you're the worst team in the league, you get the number one pick. It's, it's a lottery. It's like the NBA. It's like the NHL. And what that does is that prohibits teams from openly tanking this way. Just because you're the worst team in the league, just because you've got the the worst record in baseball, 
doesn't mean you're going to have the number one pick. You'll have the best odds to land the number one pick, but it doesn't mean you're going to have the number one pick just in your pocket, ready to go. So that will, that will change. I think how teams are going to look at this. So this is what really was, I think a coming together from both an owner's perspective, a league perspective and, and the player's perspective where both sides conceded, both sides made concessions, but at the end of the day, they got it done. And, and now we're going to be, we're going to be in a position. Where we're going to play baseball. We're going to have a full slate of games a little later than normal, but we're going to have a full slate of games. It's very exciting. And we'll talk about what this means to it from a Tigers perspective, what they need to do, who they need to look at, um, and and, and kind of where this team is going into the season. And April 8th, which is opening day here in Detroit. It's it, Look, I, I got to say, Jason, I know you're a big baseball guy. Uh, we had been talking about this for weeks, how, how it was an utter shame that this was happening. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, but... At the end of the day, you only really canceled two seasons or two series, and you're just going to float it somewhere in the, the the rest of the season. You'll backtrack it. Yeah, they'll uh, make it up with off days, stuff like that. Yep. Very important for them to get this done now. If they wait, if it doesn't get done a couple of months down the road, I think the average fan goes, mm. you know, I don't think I'm going to head out to the ballpark. Because Jason, that's that's a whole other side of this thing. Yeah. Is baseball has slid down the priority list of sports fans because it's just a different product, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. you've got the old heads that 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 you know want to talk about the integrity of the game and don't want to put guys like you know Barry Bonds or, or Roger Clemens in the the Hall of Fame because of steroids. I mean, you know, I don't want to burst your bubble, but everybody was doing steroids, so like. Uh, you know, like, oh, we can't put them in the Hall of Fame because this, no, come on, it's nonsense. You you want it, and they've made some corrections to baseball, right? That they've tried to do some things, you know, speeding up the 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 pitch, the the, the time in between pitches, so player the the pitchers aren't just standing on the mound twiddling their thumbs, uh, you know, trying to gain some some sort of psychological advantage over batters. They and, changed that, and the universal DH is going to finally go into effect. Universal DH will go into effect, which is widely accepted as the way it should be done. Oh yeah, and then of course, and then you know, you've got instant replay, which has changed the game. I think in a better way, even though it adds a couple of minutes, it's changed the game in a better way. So the, the Major League Baseball has done things to improve the game. That's why it's so important that you can't you can't stymie that momentum now, and they didn't thankfully. So we'll talk about it. Trevor Huth coming up with Bless You Boys next here on Sports Wrap on WJR. We're going to let this bracket play out. It's coming together. Michigan and Michigan State are both in. We'll tell you where they are as we continue on in Sports Wrap right here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. Michigan and Michigan State are both in. Uh, We'll tell you where they fall in the bracket coming up uh, at about 644. Uh, So stay with us. In the meantime, we're talking baseball. Um, 
the uh, Major League Baseball Player Association, uh, they ratified a new CBA. They get this thing done. Um, and and now you've got players, catchers, uh, the, the, you got the whole organization now going to spring training because they got to get this done. Um, and you're going to have under a month, basically, of spring training. Uh, again, all of this delayed because of a delay in ratifying a new CBA. So uh, late this week, the Players Association League come together. They get a deal done. What, what does this deal look like? Uh, Trevor Huth is with Bless You Boys, the writer of the blog. He joins us this evening on Sport Trap. Uh, Trev, nice to have you with us. This is a situation where, again, I think it, it, from, a, from a league perspective, uh, getting this done and, and getting people back in the stadiums, was it, it was a huge priority. And thankfully, they come together with the players. They get a deal done. Um, what of of the many line items here that, that are of high importance. What was one of the things that, that stuck out to you uh, in, in terms of, well, I'm surprised they, they got this done. Well, the, the money, it's always been the money first and foremost for me, Chris, because um, they were so far apart on it. And, and I don't, again, I don't know what the negotiating strategies were on either side. It seemed like the owners maybe just were holding out so they could get expanded post seasons and a few other rule changes in. And then they were, they were willing to, you know, come towards the players on the money a little bit. But the fact that, uh, you know, th there's 23% increases in uh, minimum salaries and 10% uh, increases in, in that uh, salary ceiling. I was just surprised that it happened. It didn't seem like the owners were going to, going to let any of that money go. So, uh, outside of that, um, the most interesting to me, I think, is to try to stop the uh, tanking that happens with some of the bottom teams. They put in a 16 draft lottery for the draft, so it won't affect this year's draft. The Tigers will still pick 12th this year, but um, if you're in that bottom six, you're going to be put into a draft lottery to try to say, hey, maybe don't, uh, maybe don't tank. Yeah. Well, I, look, I, I think that's been – you know, it's been a problem, I suppose you could say, at different points. And and there are teams that just literally, like, they don't even try. Like, your your payroll is at the bottom of the league, and you're trotting out minor leaguers. I mean, really, it, that's happened. And that's not what the game needs, for sure. Um, do you think with the escalation of the, of the luxury tax ceiling, which is a de facto cap, do you feel like if by raising that, by $20 million and then essentially having it grow over the next five years, does that even put more of an onus on, on partnering that with the, the, the draft lottery scenario? Are you going to see teams spending more on, on fielding a, a more competitive team? That's certainly the hope. And that was the whole thought process behind wanting more money in that salary cap is because, they wanted teams to spend more money on players. So um, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I, it, we're just going to have to see how it plays out, right? It could just lift the ceilings on the, the highest percentage of, um, you know, the 1% of the top guys who make the most money. It might raise that. Right. It could raise everybody else. So um, that could be one side effect of it. The other side effect could be it could erase small market teams. I know small market GMs have already come out saying, hey, we don't know what we're going to do here. Um, but Overall, I think I think the purpose will work itself out where the, the amount of money players are making will go up. And, and again, with this new CBA, the whole purpose was to get the amount of money early in players' career to go up. So um, I think that's really awesome, especially because that other part or another part of the CBA was to – 
try to limit the service time manipulation by adding incentives to have your best rookies up early instead of waiting two or three weeks for the super two date and then calling them up to get an extra year of team control. Mm-hmm. Well, I think raising the minimum salary will certainly will, will bolster some of the, you know, which really makes up most of major league baseball players. There are just a very fraction, small fraction of guys that are making, you know, boatloads of money, tens of millions of dollars per year in contracts. So raising the minimum salary up to about $700,000 per year, uh, that's up from about five hundred and seventy thousand. So that's a that's a pretty substantial jump, and then it gets up to to seven hundred eighty thousand uh, by twenty twenty six, the end of the deal. Um, so I think if you're a, a a younger guy trying to make it in the league, those are certainly encouraging signs. Um, you know, one of the other aspects of this, and I can't remember who who reported it initially, but there was that report that said, uh, well, Mike Illich didn't. He was one of four owners that uh, voted against. Uh, extending the offer to the Players Association about raising the luxury tax even $10 million next year. And, and then everybody came out and said, ah, oh, well, Chris Illich is cheap. And um, well, then this came out, it was raised by $20 million this year. And it sounds like every single owner uh, voted in favor of this contract. So what do you make of that situation? Um, because it seems like to me, I mean, there's always been that out there that the comparing Chris Illich to Mike Illich and, you know, Mike Illich loved baseball and he always, he made it no bones about it, that he was willing to open the, the pocketbooks to get guys that he thought were necessary to, to win a championship. Um, it never happened, but those efforts were always there where it hasn't really been that way with Chris, but the, the team hasn't been in a different position. How, how did you uh, look at that situation? Uh, I really tried not to look at it in the obvious way of, you know, it looks like the Tigers owner, Chris Illich is just trying to pinch pennies. Um, and then, of course, after the lockout, I saw a report that said that the uh, manager, A.J. Hinch, and, and GM Alavila wanted to pay Carlos Correa, and it was uh, Chris Illich who put the, uh, the axe on that one. But I think when I saw that and I sat and looked at it, to me it almost looked like a decision of opportunity um, because the Tigers are getting ready to make a push into being competitive and, um, you know, I don't know if it's this year with the expanded playoffs, they might be looking to make the playoffs next year if they have a good run this year, maybe. And I think that potentially that's what was going through Chris Illich's head is that, well, it's going to make it harder on us if this happens. So I want to vote that down. I want to come out against it because I want the Tigers to be competitive on the timeline that we had set in our head. On the other side, it could just be he didn't, you know, it could be penny pinching. There's a lot of uh, reasons it could be, but for me, I chose to look at it with the cup half full saying, Hey, the tigers are on a plan, a competitive plan, and and it's reaching the end of that. And this might, uh, this might hurt it. Um, All right. I want to pivot real quick. in the last couple of minutes we have here to, to the team itself, Um, they signed Eduardo uh, Rodriguez to a a multi-year deal in the off season. Uh, You figure he's going to be in the rotation. Obviously Casey Mize will be in the mix as as well as Tarek Skubal. Um, Who who are the other two guys that you look at as maybe rounding out that, that starting rotation? Uh, Tyler Alexander is one. I think right now he's probably the, the odds on favorite to um, take that fifth rotation spot. If the Tigers don't sign anybody else, I think they, they certainly uh, have the, Ability to sign at least a veteran. I mean, Zach Granke's out there. Um, Chris Archer's out there. Either one could take on a, a spot like that. And then uh, I think it might depend on who shows up in camp. I know uh, they've got a few guys up at AAA, 
and close to the majors who were non-roster invites. So um, I don't know who else is in that running. I mean, potentially maybe Roni Garcia. It's kind of a, a blank slate there in anybody's ball game, but I think odds on favorite would right now would be Tyler Alexander. Uh, in the meantime, you mentioned Carlos Correa, that the, the team made an offer. It was a 10 year deal at, I believe like 275 million, um, which actually would have put him in the top five of free agent signings of all time in major league baseball, but he turned it down. Thought he can get more with, uh, than Corey Seager did at that, whatever he got 325 million or so. And, um, and 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 now you've got a guy in Javier Baez that's here. You signed him, uh, a really good shortstop, um, can hit for power, strikes out a ton. Um, how do you feel that he fits into the mix and, and kind of what his role is going to be? I think he's great. I mean, it just pitchers and catchers and everybody reporting today. Reporters got to talk to some of the players, and the first video I see from Javier Baez is him saying, "You know what? We want to win." And he's coming out with that. I think he's going to bring that energy. Um, I, I've been fortunate enough to talk to some beat writers in uh, New York for the Mets. And the first thing that they said was this guy changed the clubhouse immediately. He brings in electricity. Javier Baez is uh, a, a lightning rod. And I think that could be huge for the Tigers. And I think he can play that kind of role where he just lights a fire and this team performs, continues to perform at a high level and even takes a step forward from last year. There, there are a lot of strikeouts. That's absolutely true. But um, we'll, we'll see what the Tigers coaching can do with him. And it's going to be great to have that kind of bat. I mean, you signed a guy who's going to be in the middle of your order day one, if not at the top of the order. So that's a huge signing, no matter, uh, no matter which way you slice it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, uh, obviously, uh, it, it's exciting that we're going to get a full 162 game slate. Uh, it'll be, uh, opening day at Comerica park, April 8th, uh, as planned, ironically, uh, but the uh, Tigers, um, look, it's going to be an exciting season. I think that they're continuing to make steps toward being at least competitive in this division and then hopefully making a playoff push. Uh, Trevor Huth over at Bless You Boys. Always appreciate the time, my man. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Chris. Uh, all right. More on sports wrap next as we continue. Uh, look, Michigan and Michigan State are in. We'll talk about that and, and, and kind of where this bracket's at. Set. Ready to go. Michigan, Michigan State are in. We'll talk about college basketball next here on Sports Wrap. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. Uh, sports wrap here this Sunday evening. Um, and all right, well, I'll tell you what. Let, let's break some of this down um, because we've got brackets set. Um, and let's start with the with the West um, because that's where Michigan State falls. So in the West region, a couple of teams of note. You've got Gonzaga. You've got UConn. You've got Arkansas. You've got Alabama. You've got Texas Tech, you got Duke, and you got Michigan State. Now, a couple of things to note about Michigan State, this matchup with Davidson. Remember Foster Lawyer? 2018 Mr. Basketball here in Michigan, three seasons with Michigan State. Uh, he entered the transfer portal in the offseason, was a captain last year. Um, he averaged only four points a game, 
Um, shot about 33% from the three-point line. Um, as a Spartan, nothing of real note. So he transfers to Davidson, where he's averaging about 16 points a game, about three and a half assists a game. Um, so he's kind of their guy. The, 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 the offense runs through him. Um, so you've got Michigan State Davidson. Uh, Davidson, by the way, won the Atlantic 10 regular season league title. Uh, lost to Richmond in the tournament uh, on the championship game today, 64 to 62. Uh, by the way, he, a lawyer, uh, according to a story in the free press, I didn't see this game, but missed what would have been a go-ahead three-pointer with five seconds left. Uh, his team only trailing by a point. Finished one for seven on the day. Uh, didn't have a very good game, uh, which is part of the reason why they lost four assists, two turnovers. Um, so that's who, that's who Michigan State's matched up with. For Michigan, again, the question is whether or not the, the, the Wolverines were even going to make it. Um, but they did. And they'll take on the Rams of Colorado State. Now, uh, I'll give you a little bit about the Rams this year and, and compared to where, where they were last year. Last season, um, their quad one and quad two wins, which are basically quad one are like, you know, your Michigan States, your Dukes, big time teams uh, that are ranked high at the end of the year. You, you look at their resume and you say, OK, well, that was a good team. Quad one and quad two wins last year. Their season against quad one and quad two teams was three and six. This year, their record against quad one and quad two teams are 13 and four. So that tells you not only were they better this year, but their strength of schedule was much better. So let's run down who they beat this year because they beat some good teams. Um, they beat St. Mary's. St. Mary's is in the mix. Uh, they're in this bracket in the West with Michigan State. Uh, excuse me, they are not. Um, hold on, where is St. Mary's? Um, St. Mary's is in the... Oh, geez, this computer. Um, so they must be in the East. They'll take on Wyoming, Indiana. Uh, in that play, playing game, that's the 12-5. Um, so they beat St. Mary's. They beat Creighton, also dancing, uh, after, after making it to the Big East title game. Boise State, who actually won the Mountain West regular season this year. Um, they're in the mix. Wyoming is dancing. San Diego State, who Michigan also beat. And then Mississippi State. So those are some big time wins for the Rams. Um, also in that, um, in, in this scenario, again, you've got the mountain West player of the year in David Roddy six, six kind of can do it all averages about 20 points a game. Um, and, and will grab about eight rebounds a game. So look, this is a good team. So Michigan's got their work cut out for them, but, Again, Michigan should should win this game. And if you're the Spartans, 
look, I, I, I this is a tough, <laughs> this is a tough, another tough seeding here for Michigan State. Um, because you're now you're forced to go, um, against a good Davidson team. Then you've got Duke essentially, unless CS Fullerton pulls off a miracle and knocks off Duke. So, you know, for, for as up and down of a season as I think these teams have had, Jason, particularly Michigan and Michigan state, um, I, 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 these are, these are uh, some tough roads forward for these guys. Absolutely. Um, well, with Michigan State having to face Duke in the second round, Michigan would face Tennessee. That's tough. Yep. And could potentially, if they get into the Sweet 16, they could see the Buckeyes. Uh, Michigan's side of the bracket looks a little more favorable than Michigan State's. I don't expect any of these, either of these two teams, to to get past the Sweet 16. But you, I mean, you never know. You're you're you, you get in, you never know what happens. It's true, and look, Michigan State has been playing better. They, they played way better uh, that last stretch of the season, uh, the, the last few games into the Big Ten tournament. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I is it out of the realm of possibility? No, but it's just a time. I mean, it's just that you're just up against a buzzsaw. That's it. And that's that's one of the the things here that I think if I'm a if I'm a Spartan, I'm probably a little I'm a little peeved. Um, and if you're a Michigan fan, I don't even think it really matters. I think the fact that you're in is, is a win. It's just a win that, that was one of the big things that one of the big questions, look, Michigan fans have been sweating it out for a couple of days after getting beat by Indiana after leading by 17 points at the half. Yeah. I didn't make that up. That and, happened in real life. And what happens? And here's your gift. You, you go back to Indianapolis to play your first round game. Well, that certainly <laughs> helps. Certain, I mean, that certainly will help. Um, but geez, I mean, look, it's 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 if, if you're Michigan, you're happy you're in, and and you really don't want to be in a situation where you're in a playing game because you just don't know what happens. So now you get to prepare and and get this thing, you know, right. So they're in; they're the 11th seed. Um, and again. You look at where that team was at to start the year. The sixth ranked team in the country, number one recruiting class coming in. Um, uh, the wheels just came off of that thing all year. They they just could never find their footing. So the fact that you're in is probably a miracle in the first place. Um, all right, well that's gonna do it for us tonight. Uh, brackets are set. Here we go. Let's do this thing. One of the best times of the year, no doubt about it. Uh, All right, have yourself a wonderful week. Catch you next weekend here on WJR Sports Wrap. Have a good one.